Welcome to the Christian Coach Podcast, where our mission is to serve coaches through conversations so they can lead like Jesus. I am Chad Simpson, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jim Good. How's it going, Jim? What's up, Chad? Happy to be here. Let's go. Well, man, last week you were able to air your first episode with us. Uh, Gian, we need to take a moment of silence for Gian. Uh, he's doing a lot of behind the scenes <laughs> stuff for us now, but um, it's just me and Jim here, here introing this one. Um, but you're, you're one episode in aired and you got three or four that you've recorded under your belt. Uh, what's, what's it been like getting into the podcast world? Yes, sir. I'll tell you what I'm learning. I'm a better listener than a host of the podcast. That's what I'm learning. I'll tell you what, being on the other side is a unique experience. And uh, man, I'm trying to just keep up with you and Gian as being a host, but having a lot of fun uh, with these conversations. So it's been good. Yeah, well, I uh, I needed to, uh, to listen in more here to our guest today, learn, learn the coach approach. If I had a few more questions under my belt, I think I could uh, draw out uh, more from you. But uh, that's why we were able to record here and, and read the book. But I just want to get into today's guest. We got uh, Mark Stevens. Uh, Mark and I were able to connect. Uh, he came and spoke virtually uh, to my college while we were down uh, coaching down in Georgia and uh, thankful for that. But Mark Stevens has been 30 plus years with FCA and he's a certified coach. Uh, and also now he's an author of The Coach Approach. The book just came out and is super helpful for me. Really recommend it if you're looking to grow and you're listening and um, and, and communication skills. But uh, Jim, you got anything you wanna highlight here? Well, it was a great conversation, Chad. You did an incredible job and enjoyed getting to know Mark a little bit. Um, I would say lock in uh, about halfway through. He shares this acrostic uh, awe, A-W-E, and gives some practical approach when you're when you're coaching and dealing and talking with your athletes. And then uh, also uh, how to ask some questions. And he goes into this approach about some angle questions. So uh, look out for that. It's a good, good piece right there. Yeah, that's uh, that was my favorite part there, especially taking a lot of notes there that, that last like 10 minutes or so. So I agree that some really good practical tips that I was able to go home immediately and try to be a better listener uh, for, with my wife. And so <laughs> just uh, uh, can't wait to get into this episode, but we're about to get into it right now. Mark Stevens, it's uh, such a gift uh, for you to be with us on the Christian Coach Podcast. And we uh, we don't like to waste time here, so we just like to get right into it. So just curious, uh, we're on a, on a mission trying to figure out uh, what it means to be a Christian coach. So can you just share with us what, what it, does it mean to you to be a Christian coach? Thanks, Chad. It's great to be on with you and uh, great to meet you a few years ago and stay connected. Um, you know, for me, it means that I'm going to demonstrate the characteristics of Christ you know, including the fruit of the spirit, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, um, that I'm going to focus and care more about my athletes and, um, and and them as a person more than what they accomplish on the field. I I coach sports 35 years. My my sport is wrestling, coach high school wrestling 20 years. And I always like to say God in his infinite wisdom and great sense of humor gave me four daughters, none of which are wrestlers. So I learned to coach girls lacrosse. So I coached youth lacrosse for 15 years. And yeah, learned a lot through that journey. I think as a Christian, um, I often was a coach that was a Christian, not a Christian coach. 
And I just had them backwards. Even though I wanted to get them right, I I I had them backwards too many times. And uh, and uh, later in my journey, I think I got better at being a Christian coach versus a coach that's a Christian. That's really good. And just while you were coaching uh, lacrosse and wrestling, do you picture any like attributes or characteristics that this uh, this really is evident that this person loves loves Christ and they're uh, showing that in the world of sports? Yeah, I think, you know, <laughs> and it looked different for me in different ways, like how I would talk to the wrestlers, the high school guys and how would I would talk to a 10 year old girl you know, would be address them a little bit different just by their size alone. Right. So I think for me, when I think about lacrosse, me often, I would get down on my knee. So I'd be eye to eye with my, um, with my athletes, with my, the young girls that I was coaching and, and get eye to eye and look them in the eye and let them know that I care about them and talk to them in a tone that I cared about them, not in a tone that I was angry at their performance or unhappy. Um, and and try to make it more conversational. Um, I think with the guys, um, I would try to make sure I'm eye to eye, but many of them were at my eye or bigger than, you know, taller than me. And um, I, um, to be direct uh, and yet be caring, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, so so I think those are a couple things just as far as communication yeah. that people might see that it's different in me. Yeah. And just uh, can you take us all the way back uh, to the beginning, just can you tell us a little bit about your upbringing from from a faith standpoint, a, a sports standpoint? Um, tell us as much or as little as you want to share. Yeah, thanks. Well, uh, it's funny. I like to I like to say I I grew up with a drug problem uh, when I was really young. My my parents drugged me to church every Sunday, <laughs> cha-ching. But um, you know that's how I grew up. I grew up in a Christian home. My mom and dad were followers in Christ and and involved in the church um, and was blessed to have people in my life. Like uh, my Sunday school teachers, Jim and Kathy Cook in sixth grade is when I accepted Christ and walked down the aisle and got baptized and made that commitment to Christ and blessed by a mentor, a young life leader, Tommy McMahon, who poured into me and others throughout college, Joe Atkins, Hank Jancic, um, Barry Spofford on FCA staff. People just, I am who I am because people invested in me. And I'm so grateful uh, for that. So my spiritual journey, um, I accepted Christ in sixth grade. Nothing great happened. Change in my life. I was in sixth grade, you know. Um, but when I got to college, I, I moved to the uh, wide road from the narrow road. A lot of hooting and hollering my first uh, couple of years. I, I needed a book like you wrote, Chad. I needed that book when I went into my freshman year, but I didn't. you didn't write the book by, by uh, 1981, so you weren't even born by then. But anyways, um, so I went to college, got on the wide road, a lot of hooting and hollering, and uh, just got to the end of my rope. And there was a, a coach that introduced me to FCA, and we started the first FCA huddle at Salisbury University there in Maryland back in the fall of 1982. And uh, that coach would drive me to church every Sunday. I didn't have a car. He just invested in me. And Chad, even last week, I had breakfast with him. 40 years later, I'm still in touch with this guy who's still investing in me um, all these years later. So that's a little of my spiritual journey and my 
my coaching journey in 1985 when I graduated from college. I worked at Gallaudet University in Washington, D.C., the only liberal arts college in the world for deaf people. And I got a job at their high school uh, on campus coaching wrestling. So my first year of coaching wrestling, I had to learn another language at the same time. Wow. Um, and a whole different culture of, of the deaf, deaf community. And out of that, I, I met lots of great people and, and coached high school wrestling for a long time. I got to coach actually the deaf national team uh, one year. And we went to Russia and, and, and uh, that was a fun experience, but yeah, it's great. And I love coaching girls lacrosse too. I've learned a lot about that. And my uh, baby is a, a senior playing in college now. So that's fun to watch her play. That's awesome. Um, and, and just thinking through your story, uh, what I saw was it was, um, in 1990, there was a, a moment that that happened uh, where you're told not to become a pastor. Uh, is is that accurate? And how did that conversation uh, influence the rest of your life? Yeah, so it's kind of it's a little bit like that, but the nuances of as uh, I was uh, I was a, a volunteer that was hired uh, on a staff at a United Methodist Church. And I wanted to become a certified United Methodist pastor. And so I started going through the process. And the last step was to meet with a psychiatrist, and which was a little bit odd to me. And he went through all my stuff. He goes, look, you're fit for ministry, but this is really weird. I've never met anybody that like just their passion for ministry is sports. Like this is this is out of the box, like music, preaching, children's these kind of things. Are, and so I... I don't really see you as a fit for ministry because you're you want to minister to, through sports. And I just never heard of that. Couldn't think of that. And so it was over. That was it. I wasn't going to get certified as a, as a Methodist pastor, you know? And so what did that do to me? Um, that it just motive. I, I, I guess it, it motivated me to, 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 to almost prove him wrong. Right. And through, God's grace. Um, um, yeah, now I work full time for Fellowship of Christian Athletes, uh, sports ministry full time for 17 years. I was a volunteer for 15 years before this with uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and it's been a great journey. Yeah, and just uh, I'm sure you've met a ton of coaches in those 17 years. Is there is there one major thing that you would want uh, a sports coach to just get after you've uh, poured into their life or, or had some one on one uh, mentoring meetings with them? You know, Chad, one of the phrases I use a lot is just copying the NCAA is most of your athletes are going to go pro in something other than sport. You know, I love that NCAA line. And for us to coach like that, um, Christian or non-Christian. We should coach like that. Uh, but as Christians, for sure, we should coach like that. We should really care and love our athletes. And so, you know, now you just, you see it on social media, you see it everywhere. It's so young. We're putting the pressure on our kids and the club sport thing has just gone crazy, right? About winning and thinking you're going to college and play. But you and I know the statistics, very few are going pro. Very few are going to college to play. Let them have fun. Have fun at practice. Have a water balloon uh, fight. Uh, you know, eat watermelon, spit seeds. You know, make it fun. Kids want to have fun. 
That's good. That's really good. And, um, and then even just as a parent, I know you, you had four daughters, uh, that, that played, played a high level of lacrosse. Is there, is there any big lessons that you've seen, uh, from the parent side of just watching them, uh, go through the sports journey? Yeah, I think number one is that the, your children feel your, your pressure, your angst, your anxiety as a parent, um, if you're feeling anxious or nervous about it, your kids for sure are, you know, and if you're a dad or mom, who's been a coach and you're trying to coach your kids, um, I coach all my kids in many sports, including golf and volleyball and a lot of things, but lacrosse and wrestling were my two, but lacrosse was all my girls played lacrosse. Um, two played in college, uh, one currently. And, you know, it gets to the point where they don't really want dad's coaching anymore, right? So if you're in that role as mom or dad who's been the coach, um, they they don't really want it. Um, and my daughter, who's playing at a, a Division II lacrosse, she often just says to me, which is great. She just says, Dad, I just want to play. Here she is, a college athlete playing at a high level, very successful team, conference championships two years in a row. She's one of the top scorers on the team. And she goes, I just want to play. You know, okay, yeah, I'll go to the 6 a.m. lift and I'll do what I need to do. But I just want to play. I just want to have fun, which is most kids aren't saying that, you know. So I'm proud of her to be strong enough to say that um, to me as her dad slash coach. That's good. That's good. And and just hearing just these glimpses of your journey from from being a parent to doing FCA ministry to even this first opportunity uh, in the school uh, with with the deaf um, comes comes together into into your communication skills and and wanting to write this book, um, the coach approach. Um, and just can you just it, it was really good. I loved reading it um, in any bush, uh, book that we talk about on this podcast. Um, we're only going to re- recommend it because we loved it. Um, but why did you, why did you write the book? Why, why on the coach approach? Yeah. Well, I coached for 35 years and, and a sport, right. And I learned all of these things in coaching sport that actually translated into business and ministry and working adult adult, you know, with my peers or with my supervisors Um, And I just realized the coach approach that I was taking with athletes could translate into other aspects of my life. And I I think we've all probably had some aha moments along the way um, with that um, type of journey that that something we were doing in one part of our life actually translated into another part of our life. So I think that was the beginning of churning of thoughts. And the other thing is I I coach people one-on-one. So I'm coaching um, leaders. Uh, I spend 80% of my time coaching national directors in Southeast Asia and uh, and who are working with FCA. And I try to bring uh, out of them what the Holy Spirit has put inside of them. That's my goal with the coach approach. And But I've also had the chance to meet with some Chick-fil-A owner operators and um, CEOs and COOs and senior pastors and and coach them, too. And I just realized sometimes I would get frustrated with them and some of their answers like, dude, you need to take the coach approach. Like <laughs> you need to ask your 
people some questions and listen and be curious. And that spurred on writing the book. Um, my dad planted a seed 30 years ago that I should write a book. Um, I think it's a legacy piece too, right? Mm -hmm. And you write a book, it's around for forever. And then I think the other thing is uh, I started during COVID and during COVID was a weird time, right? Like, like busy because you're on Zoom calls, but different pace, you know, for me, I wasn't traveling and I wanted to do something hard. So I decided to write a book. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. And I'm just going to read a quote um, from the book. Uh, it says, uh, leadership is not about telling people what to do. It's about developing leaders. And the way we develop leaders is to ask questions to get them to think through what could be the possible solutions. And just curious, if you are coaching uh, these these people around the world, uh, what are some of your favorite questions that you like to ask? Yeah, uh, probably my most favorite is, can you tell me more? Can you tell me more? Somebody's somebody, I, I don't care if, if you're, let's talk about sports coaching. Cause that's what we're talking about. If an athlete, a parent, an athletic director, sometimes they come into your office, a coach, and they just, what I say, vomit on you, right? They just blah, all the negativity, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, you're just taking a left and a right back and forth. And then if you respond with, tell me more, they're shocked. They're shocked because after they vomit, nobody goes, hey, vomit on me more, you know. So uh, I think it shows that you you really want to know, you know, you care and you really want to know. But even if somebody is just telling you a story about a big game, about a big win, about uh, whatever, and you say, tell me more, they're like, wow, after you told this passionate story about a game, or about a situation, and you say, tell me more, that just shows that you value that person a lot, and you really do care, and you've been listening. I think the second question that I like is is is, is the acronym AWE, A-W-E, and what else? That's and good. what else? So, so Chad, you, I'm saying, Chad, you come to me and you go, man, I just, Mark, I need some coaching on how to recruit better better athletes and people that fit into, you know, my, my system. And so you come up with a couple ideas and then you're sitting there and we're in silence, which is a good coach approach, by the way, <laughs> you're thinking more, you're waiting for me to respond. And I respond after you've already given me two or three ideas and Chad and what else? And now you're gone from the easy one, two, three answers to ah, what else? Really, what what else is there that I could do to recruit athletes better? And it makes you think more than your first one is your gut response. After and what else? That's a deeper response. And I'd say the last thing, the the after tell me more and what else, I would say just a whole group of questions, which I mentioned in my book called angle questions. So an angle question is just, um, so um, you're trying to make a decision, you're trying to make a big decision, and then you take the family angle. What would your parents or your spouse say about this? Now I'm thinking about it differently. I'm taking from a different angle. Sure. Um, 
future, a future angle. Ten years from now, what do you want to look back and say about this decision? Wow, now you've gone ten years and you look back, and then maybe another uh, angle question is a financial angle. How is this going to impact you financially, this decision? So I think angle questions are a great way to get people to think uh, differently. It's awesome. I uh, One of the reasons I started this podcast uh, was just to learn to ask better questions, to become a better listener. Um, mm. And it's I know it's so needed um, and so much room to grow. And, and I was a coach for seven years at the college level and three at the high school and um, just thinking through thinking through the our listeners right now in their coaching world, um, say they're like, all right, Mark, you convinced me I'm going to go by the coach approach. I want to be a better listener. Is there is there anything that you would counsel them on? I'm like, hey, this is how you can become a better listener so that you can help your, your student athletes more. Yeah. Uh, I, I tell a funny story, as you know, Chad, in my book, I, I uh, when I was at Salisbury, I took a class on listening because I thought this would be easy. I got a C in it, believe it or not. Here I am a coach now. I can't believe it. So I think my kids would give me a C minus now. So I'm going the wrong direction. But um, there's a lot of different scenarios of listening. Okay. Whether you're on Zoom or you're talking about listening when you're at the table, you're talking about listening when everybody's watching the TV, or you're talking about listening in a staff meeting. There's a lot of different scenarios. So um, some of these apply to the different scenarios. But I think one of the things is to remove the distractions, right? Remove, remove distractions that will help you to listen. So, you know, you and I both have blur on and I've started to use blur. I don't know if you did that for that reason, but it's easier for me and you just have a white shirt and I just have a red shirt. And so there's, there's no distractions. I'm not like looking back like, Oh, what's that picture you got on the back there? Oh, you got a, uh, you got a world map. I got a world map, you know, and then I'm just, I'm not listening. I'm thinking about other things. Yeah. Right. So remove distractions and the cell phone is the number one distraction. Sure. Right. And now if you put your cell phone down, now your watch is buzzing. So all of these things are dis- distractions. Um, for me, uh, when I'm on a zoom call, I try to clear the clutter off my desk. If I start to see your clutter, then I start to think about that clutter and cleaning it up or, is there something in there I'm missing? Um, I think, uh, um, you know, when I'm on a Zoom call and I'm supposed to be listening in a meeting and then what happens? Something pops in my head. It's like, oh, my gosh, did I get I got to get dinner tonight or uh, did I register for that thing for my kids tonight? I'm not listening anymore. I got other things going on in my head. And so we got to write those down if we can. Uh, versus sometimes what I do, then I start texting it. Now I'm really not listening, right, on the thing. And I think the other thing, too, is just we're in a Zoom world, right? Um, We start to, if you say as instructor, hey, everybody put something in the chat, that's fine. But you and I know that when you're in a chat room with 10 people and somebody's teaching on something, nobody asks for you to put anything in the chat. And you're saying, hey, Mark, how you doing? You know, and you're, all of a sudden, we, you and I got this conversation going on chat, and there's a Zoom call. You are not listening, and I'm not listening. Um, and one one other scenario that I like that I realized for me is I'm an extrovert, right? So when I go to a restaurant, I like my back to the wall, and I want to see everybody coming in and all the movement. I don't want to miss anything. I'm a people person. 
Um, but that is not good for listening. So a lot of times when I go out to eat with my wife, I have to make the intentional decision to say, honey, you sit there. I'm going to sit here. And the only thing I'm looking at is you. And I have a better chance. And I'm not saying I'm good, Chad, but I got a better chance of listening at that point. So hopefully those are a few tips to help people listen better. Uh, those are really good tips. I, I'm writing all this down. Um, I, I'm just going to push back uh, for a second. Just just curious from uh, if any listeners are like, all right, I, I need to be a better listener. I want to ask more questions in my leadership and kind of take this approach. Um, how, how what if they're kind of trying to argue like, well, when do I speak up? Like, when do I get to like tell my team or, or this kid is is misbehaving? They're getting in trouble. I need to to correct. How do you balance that that within the coach approach of having the listening ear versus I'm, I need to speak up now. Yeah. I think it's a delicate subject. I'll just start with that, you know, but I think most of us are training and our natural personality is to walk in and tell them what they did wrong. And, and that's just the opposite of the coach approach. So I would lean into the coach approach as long as I can and exhaust the coach approach of listening and asking questions. So, you know, let's just say somebody's somebody's misbehaved. You know, you can come in and say, hey, the principal came down and told me you broke these school rules and you misbehaved. And so I'm just telling you that's not the way we do this. And you're punished. Uh, that's how I was coached. That's how my my wrestling coach did it to me. But what I think we should do as a Christian coach who's taken the coach approach is say, Chad, the principal came to me. What happened? I want to know your side of the story. I'm with you. What happened, Chad? And you kind of tell me your side of the story. Of course, we always know there's two sides, but you already got one of the sides as the coach from the principal. You know, Chad, what happened? Well, Okay, Chad, that's not exactly what the principal is saying happened. Like, is there, can you tell me more? Is there something else you need to tell me? And heck, you might even say, Chad, so if you were my position as a coach, what kind of discipline would you give yourself? You know, and they probably already have the right answer of what to do. But if they give the wrong answer and say, oh, nothing, and say, well, okay, I'm the head coach. I disagree with you. I'm going to step in there. But let them share that. And I think the other thing, too, when we think about, let's talk about teaching skills. You know, somebody's somebody's learning a skill and they do it wrong. So what do we do as a coach? We step in and we say, hey, Chad, you did this skill wrong. You didn't raise your arm high enough. You didn't penetrate far, far enough while you're doing your double leg tackle or whatever it is. And we just immediately step in and we tell them. But how about if I did the coach approach and said, Chad, what happened on that serve? Why didn't it land in? And you go, oh, I didn't extend my arm. Or I didn't go through my mental thought process or I didn't have my feet right, whatever it is. And then as a coach, you feel good because your athlete already knows what he did wrong. He, he, he can coach himself in a sense because he's, you've coached him well enough for him to know what he did wrong. Um, but I do believe there's times you talked about casting vision yeah, the vision's your vision. Stand up and tell your vision, man. Get people behind your vision. That's when you're going to talk like a champ. Um, I do feel like there's times that I I want to just uh, tell people and drop all my knowledge, but that's not really the coach approach. So I, exasper I exhaust 
the coach approach as long as I can. And then um, if there's something small that I need to share, I'll share it. But I find that mostly they know the answers. Those are really good, good replies. I, I like that. And and I'm bought in um, to, to the coach approach. I, I like it. Um, I'm just thinking through these leaders or, or coaches just with ego pride of, uh, of guys and, and, and women too, of just like, I'm in control. Um, just trying to exercise this like authority and power. Um, but, but it seems like the coach approach is going more for, um, and, and a Christian coach should take more of the role of Jesus as hu- humility, um, here to serve transformational in, in their coaching. Um, yeah, just, just curious from, from your journey early, as a coach uh, to now as, as a as established leader, taking humility to take the coach approach. Um, how, how did you kind of overcome that like ego and pride of like, I have to be the one in control to be able to tell, tell everybody down, this is what we're doing versus like, Hey, I'm, I'm just here to listen. I'm here to serve. I want, like you said before, draw what the Holy Spirit's put in you. Um, can you just mm-hmm. tell me through, through that process for you? Um, of just being able to let go of that, that ego and pride of being in control. Yeah, I think it's uh, some comes with age, right? With age and wisdom, you see all my gray hair. So, <laughs> you know, the longer you're in it, the the older you get, the, the more you realize you really don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're young, when you're 23. Um, I know I went to a local high school here after I retired from coaching and I was like, hey, I'd love to come over and help out and you know, at that point, the coach, head coach is 25 years old and I'm 45 or 50 years old with all this experience. And he's like, nah, I'm good. I'm like, seriously, like you, we'd like, because of humility, like he, he couldn't humble himself to have somebody come in the room that actually knew more than him or had more experience. I don't know if I knew more than him, but I had more experience than him. Um, but for me, I think, you know, um, I think age, I think leaning into the word, I think um, doing all I can to just serve others, no matter whether they're going to be a a starter or a third stringer, uh, that brings humility. I want the best for, for everybody. Yeah. I wanted my best kid to be a state champ, but I also wanted my worst kid just to win a match, man. Can I just get this kid to win a match? And he's going to remember that for the rest of his life. The Mm -hmm. one match he won. You know, so I care. I I think caring about all is a is a, is a part of that. Gotcha. Yeah, that's. I remember just my my first year as a coach, just being insecure and being like, all right, I, I know this. Trying to overcomplicate things, talk above, you know, like this deep science. And by the end <laughs> yes. of my seventh year, just like, hey, let's let's let them figure it out more. Let them solve their problems. I'm here to to try to process with you, but. Um, just tapping in whether it's business world or sports world, just with building a, a solid team. Uh, requires trust and um just just curious how can the the coach approach really lead towards your your team your players trusting you more as the leader yeah you know trust takes time right takes time takes communication to develop that and that relationship and i think the sense of humility um on a coach's side to you know, not to realize he doesn't have all the answers that he's still exploring. He's still uh, growing. He's not sticking his chest out and talking about how great he is, but he's always deflecting all the credit to his, his teammates and to his, 
his coaching staff and to his athletes. And I think the other thing is uh, building trust is really uh, demonstrating empathy, um, which is interesting. You know, I, I, uh, I just came out with this book and my assistant, her friend, who's uh, I think in the 50s, is going to Las Vegas to fight in a MMA fight or jujitsu fight. And he goes, how is it? Can I show empathy to my opponent in a grappling or MMA or whatever? Can I show empathy to them? And um, an interesting question to think about. I'll just leave it at that. I won't tell anybody my answer. But um, I, I think that a coach showing empathy that you really cared for others and you're listening well is a way to build trust. And they'll tell you more stories and they'll tell you deeper things. Um, and I think getting to know part of trust is is getting to know the whole family. I know one of the things we talk about as a being a three-dimensional coach, coaching the body, the mind, and the heart of the athlete, is if you can, even at the high school level, go visit the parents at their home. Mm-hmm. Get to know them, see what they're doing, and develop that trust because most coaches, 99% of the coaches are not doing that. And the parent knows the kid better than the coach does. Yeah. So get some insights on the kid like, oh, my daughter wants to go D1 or my kid just wants to play. This is their third sport. Their main sport is field hockey. It's not lacrosse or what, whatever. Let's just get the insight as much as you can, which I think will allow to build um, trust too, because you're striving to build that relationship. And just everything that you're talking about, I think is exactly why we wanted to create this podcast is because we all want to grow in these areas of empathy, feeling for your, for your players, uh, building trust within teams, becoming a better leader and, and listener uh, for ourselves. So thank you for, for writing the book, number one, and thanks for taking your time to come on and share. And uh, we could we could probably keep going for another hour, uh, which w- which would be awesome. But I, I filled a page of notes already here and uh, we'll, we'll keep the conversation going. But just we, we just like to end with a word of prayer. Is there anything that we can be praying for you or your family about? Yeah, thanks. I, I would just say um, I'll just focus on on the book. You know, it came out at Amazon last week. And thank you others for buying. It, it was an Amazon bestseller. So it was pretty awesome. And because of that. I feel I don't, it's not as much pride as I feel responsibility now. Like I feel responsibility that God gave me these words to write this book. I've got to get the message out. And so I'm thankful. Uh, Chad, you're the first podcast I'm on. I hope I get on other podcasts, but this is the first one. So just praying that God would use this through my speaking and going to places and training others and and one-on-one coaching. So uh, that's my main prayer request. Thanks. Sounds good. Well, let's bow and pray. Father, we uh, we look to you, uh, God. You are our Lord, and uh, everything that we do, uh, whether it's writing or, or coaching or speaking, God, we want it to be for your glory and for your name to be known uh, across the whole earth, God. And um, thanks so much for planting the seed in, in Mark uh, through his father uh, years ago, and and writing this book. And um, God, we just pray that you would bless it, that that the word would spread, um, that. Um, that more speaking engagements would would come and uh, more people would would read the book and more importantly apply the book that we all could mm. uh, just become better leaders with with selflessness and and humility and uh, just leading more like you Jesus. Um, thanks again for this time. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And thank you, Mark Stevens. What a 
incredible conversation. Again, I love that acrostic. And what else? A-W-E. And boy, did you take some notes on the angle questions? Um, I don't know about you, Chad, but those are my big takeaways. What you got? Yeah, the angle questions. You know, you said, you know, what does your family think about that? What would your future self 10 years down the road think about that? Uh, financially, how would this influence you um, down the road? And yeah, I thought those angle questions were great. Can you tell me more? You know, what a great uh, statement. And he talked about the use of silence. And then just, uh, again, I love just these practical uh, tips of just um, removing distractions, thinking about where are you sitting in a restaurant if you're gonna get distracted, um, putting the cell phone away. Um, yes, yeah, so many good things. And, and just the big idea here was what type of coach do you want to be? You know, are you going to be a tough, demanding, you know, putting down these these commands at kids or allowing them to kind of figure things out on, on their own? But yeah, Jim, you were a head coach uh, for many years. What uh, what was it like for you? I, I was. I was blessed 25 years to coach a game of basketball. And hopefully I could say I got better as I got older. But I think earlier in her career, young coaches tried to coach with um, – the fear factor. And then as you get older, you start realizing um, it needs to be a love factor. Mm -hmm. And I know for me, I was just able to mature and grow in that area and not being more more loving, more serving rather than authoritative and, and look at me, look at, look at my control and what I've got going on and was able to kind of trust my athletes a little more. And uh, that, that takes time, that takes uh, more experience, I think, as you grow in that profession. Yeah, it's almost like it's easier just like bark down a, a command um, or get on the line, do the sprints, but it takes a little more time, you know, whether it's in parenting or with your team to like figure out where they at in the heart, you know, what, what was happening here the past week, um, digging into those type of things. So yeah, the coach approach, we're gonna put it in the show notes so you guys can go pick it up on, on Amazon um but yeah if, if you're a coach looking to ask better questions uh, become a better listener highly recommend you pick up the book it's got great great leadership um quotes and tips in it but also great biblical um perspective and so um, check it out um, but hey we're so thankful for you guys to be with us it would mean a, the world to us uh if you could take your time just to rate review um, subscribe. We're on YouTube now. So if you want to learn from the video portion as well, uh, that would mean the world to us. And uh, we end every episode just as a reminder, just for ourselves and you, wherever you're at, whether you're driving home from a commute or getting into work right now, that the mission field is right where you're at. Mm -hmm.